Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Kimberly Avila disappeared on May 13th, 2017. We stayed until late, searching and looking. She was nowhere. Nowhere to be found. Her family is desperate for answers. We need to know what happened. We deserve to know the answer. Nobody deserves to be put into a cold case folder, brushed off as missing until found. We put up posters every single day. By next morning, majority of the posters were torn, vandalized, burned. Only her posters. Sadly, Texas is the deadliest place in the United States for trans women. This episode of Disappeared retraces Kimberly's last known steps. I was told that Kimberly was with a man, and then the last they saw was her getting pushed into a car that was driven by somebody else off into the dark night. I'm not giving up. We're not giving up. Because we love her very much. I just just want her home. The more people who know Kimberly's story, the greater the chance of bringing her home. Share on social media. Get the word out. Help find her. Have you seen Kimberly Avila? My name's Yvonne Rodarte Avila. I'm Kimberly Avila's sister. Kimberly disappeared on May 13th, 2017. She was only 32 years old. Kimberly was getting ready to go out. I think she was gonna go to a club. She had her makeup on, listening to music and dancing. Around maybe 2, 2.30 in the morning. She said, hey, you know what, Um, let's go. Give me a ride downtown. And I was like, it's already late. Well, I'm already ready. You know, she was the type, I'm ready. I'm like, well, why don't you just go out tomorrow? Nope. She was very sassy sometimes. And, you know, I remember so clear that she's like, look at me. 
I didn't get ready like this to stay home. My brother, Ramiro, or Junior, was born male, but she dressed as a woman on weekends, going by the name of Kimberly. That's what made her happy, so we accepted it. We knew when he was growing up that he was gay because he would like to get my mom's shoes, you know, her high heels, dressing up. He was in middle school when he first came out. My youngest brother would play with cars. He would play with my dolls. So we knew, you know, that he was gay. He didn't have to worry about anything. We weren't going to change him or trade him for anything in the world. He could be, you know, himself. And that's when, you know, he was at peace. My name is Noe Avila. I am 34 years old. And I am the youngest out of the Avila family. Kimberly was a great sister to everyone. But he was also a little bit of a brother to me. So to me, he was junior. And to our family, he was junior. But to the friends and other families that are not living in our household, he was Kimberly. He was in a loving home. He loved each and every one of us. As far as the family, nothing changed. My father, he's an old school guy, you know, he's one of those macho type of guys and he always uh, supported my brother. We had a very good relationship when we were growing up. We'd play hide and seek. That's like one of the major things that he would love to do because he would hide very good. He's very competitive. He would always beat us, but he was that caring type of person, very bubbly type of person. She was just happy all the time. Her thing was just music, dancing. She, she would say, I'm just gender fluid. You know, I'm one person here, and then the other one when I'm out there. And so that night, it was a Friday, so she was ready to go out. That's when she said, give me a ride downtown, and I'll see you in the morning. So I said bye to my mom and my aunts and everybody, and we got in the truck. On her way to downtown, she was very happy, you know, listening to music and dancing. This is where I dropped her off the early morning of May 13th, like around 2.45 in the morning. And I told her, I'll see you in the morning. But I drove around three times before I left when I dropped her off because I had this feeling that something was gonna happen. And I told her, let's go, you can come back tomorrow. She said, there's a lot of people out here. I'm not going to be here alone, which there was a lot of people out there. And I said, come on, let's go. You know, I'll bring you tomorrow. She was like, I'll just be here for a little while. I'll see you in the morning. And I said, are you sure? She's like, yes. But I went home to wait for her, and she never, she never came home. When I woke up the morning of May 13, that's when I started talking to my mom. She she relayed the message that Kimberly wasn't returning the phone calls, did not arrive at home, something completely out of the ordinary. She'd never miss coming home. She would call, and if she didn't have it right, my mom called me and said, are you sure he's not at your house? 
She's like, no. And I told my mom, you know, let me know when she gets home, you know. So I waited. You know, my mom kept calling me every hour. There's something wrong. I called every single hospital, you know, asking for her to see if there was any information on her. I gave the description. I was going already into a panic mode. And there was a patrol car right behind Porter High School in the driveway, and I stopped. And I, you know, I told the officer, you know, this is what's going on. And he's like, I'm already making the report of a missing person. My name is Derek Garcia. I'm the morning news anchor over here at CBS4 in the Rio Grande Valley. I've been reporting in the Brownsville area that's right on the southern border of Texas and Mexico. Brownsville is deeply rooted in Hispanic culture. Religion plays a big role here. Because so many people in Brownsville are Catholic, it is difficult for members of the LGBTQ community. Some who have come out have been rejected by their families and others still have yet to come out because of that fear of being rejected from their family because the Catholic religion and previous generations are just so deeply against it. My name is Oscar Raul Lopez. I run a nonprofit called Poderosos to draw attention to the border communities. Brownsville is homophobic and transphobic. So the fact that the Brownsville Police Department actually took the information and started a file is important to note because people just don't disappear. So Brownsville PD stepped up there. The police chief, the officers were respectful. They took the report down really early into the investigation and started looking into the case. In my opinion, historically, the Brownsville PD hasn't always stepped up to help the LGBTQ plus community. So I was really impressed initially because they were very responsive to the family. It was a Saturday, so they told me that I had to wait for Monday to speak to a detective. After Nono, we all went downtown and we went searching. We walked the streets of downtown for at least an hour. It was actually my whole family. The area where Kimberly went missing, Washington Street and 12th, is closer to the International Bridge. The lighting was pretty bad. If you have two whole blocks of deserted buildings, that means there's no lights outside of them or inside of them that anybody walking by would feel safer. I haven't been here in a while, <laughs> but everything, a lot has changed. There's a lot of lights now. So I was checking to see maybe, you know, something had happened in that place and I could see something that she had in her purse that maybe was dropped. One of the very first places where I went to look, there's a huge trash can that used to be there. And my kids and I dug to see maybe something that would tell us that something had happened there, but nothing. We found nothing. She was nowhere, nowhere to be found. You know, we stayed until late searching and looking for every alley downtown. So we went home. We went home and and waited. 
Monday, we spoke to detective. Her name is Melissa Gonzalez. She's like, but do you specifically know what she was doing? No, I don't. You know, that day, I don't know what she was doing. That's when she said, you know, that she was going to be the detective in the case, that it was a missing person case, that they were going to keep us posted and updated and, and go from there. There was a reward issued from the police department for $1,000. They set up the hotline, you know, if anybody had any clues or anybody had seen her, you know, to go ahead and call. We started learning about Kimberly Avila pretty early on, even before police had gone public. The family had reached out to us, hoping that they could get answers. Members of the trans community are no stranger to violence. And sadly, we live in an area where if you check those boxes that Kimberly checks, something could happen to you. For us as journalists, here's a family that is begging for answers, and that's our responsibility as journalists is to find them. We don't have any indication to say that something, there was any type of foul play. The initial response from the police department, I definitely uh, was optimistic that, you know, these guys are, they're gonna get it done. Anybody working a case similar to this anywhere in the country would very quickly want to look at phone records. And that was the case with the Brownsville PD. Kimberly had a phone that was not in service. She would use it to take pictures, but the phone that she had with her was not in service. It was disconnected. Uh, unfortunately, with Kimberly's case, she had no real digital trail. So the police told us that they ran into dead ends very early on. I walked the streets every single day. I would get out of my house like around midnight and would go home like around four o'clock in the morning, walking to see maybe I would see her, to see maybe, you know, somebody would bring her out. And I always went home empty-handed with nothing at all. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, it's Janice from Warner Brothers Discovery. Have you ever heard the expression, perfect is the enemy of good? I think about that a lot, especially when it comes to my body and health, because perfect does not exist. It's a total trap. Noom isn't into this perfection thing either. Its unique approach is tailored to each person's psychology and biology. From coaching to recipes, Noom's app provides personalized information to help you on your journey, no one else's journey. I also think it's great that Noom doesn't restrict what you can eat, and it doesn't shame you for treating yourself. And treat yourself, you should. What's more, Noom's approach is grounded in science. They've even published more than 30 peer-reviewed scientific articles about how they work. To date, Noom has helped more than 5.2 million people lose weight by helping them build new habits for a healthier lifestyle. So why not give it a try? Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Last time I saw Kimberly, it was May 12. We were having a late dinner with some family members that came from Mexico to visit us. La Rosa. When my family comes over from Mexico, you know, we all gather and we play Loteria. It's like bingo, but with uh, different type of characters, you know, like a mermaid or a sun, a moon, you know. Loteria is definitely a tradition for Mexican people, you know. You have to play that. Otherwise, you're not Mexican. My name is Samantha Montemayor. In the Rio Grande Valley, I was with Hentex, a trans-led organization and also a community leader activist within the community of the Rio Grande Valley. The first time I met Kimberly, we were at a club and I remember her, she was always smiling and making jokes. I feel that Kimberly was honored to have the parents she had, the siblings that she has, because they've been so supportive. Bronzeville or the Rio Grande Valley, it's different than any other part in the state of Texas. We're 10 years behind on everything. We're still living in a world with um, discrimination, you know. Sometimes it was extremely challenging because of the lifestyle that he had. Something as simple as going to the store and him, you know, just the way he walks or his personality, he was very open, very blunt. But I, I did, we did encounter a lot of different situations where 
they used to try to bully him. Unfortunate. There's a lot of people out there that are close-minded that don't understand, you know? Until our whole community can feel safe and blossom and have full-time employment and housing, then, then I'm sorry, we're still a really homophobic, transphobic region that needs to be called out. So we joke around the Rio Grande Valley, which is where Brownsville is located, that when people want to move away from here because they want to go to the big city and experience that life and have more opportunities for school and work and just joy and, and culture and things of that nature, they turn to San Antonio, which we kind of all laugh at because it's just like the border, but bigger. Sadly, Texas is the deadliest place in the United States for trans women. We are number one for the amount of women who get killed who are trans in our state. Two days after he went missing and the police opened up the case of a missing person, we started to put up flyers. Myself, all our family members, and even friends started to help us place flyers all over downtown. Right about May 16th, my staff and I noticed posters in our downtown area with the image of Ramiro and Kimberly and basically asking that anybody who had information to please call their number and to tell them about their whereabouts. And we haven't stopped working with them since. We put up posters every single day. By next morning, majority of the posters were torn, vandalized, burned, only her posters. There's a lot of posters up on the walls and only hers were damaged, only hers were torn, only hers were vandalized, you know, with a whole bunch of graffiti on her picture. That made us just want to come back more and more and more to see, you know, maybe who did that, to maybe catch the person that was doing that. I had people follow me when I was putting up flyers, when we would put up flyers, my family and I. We would see strange cars, you know, just following us street after street, you know, just watching what we were doing. It was scary. It was hard. A lot of questions being raised about why those flyers were being ripped off. Is this the person who knows what happened to Kimberly? Was this a person who was with her? There was one gentleman who was caught on camera defacing a lot of the flyers on multiple locations. But when the police did stop them, question them, they determined that he was not a threat. That was potentially a lead that police were looking into, but ultimately that lead came to a dead end also. Detectives said that there's a lot of homeless people downtown, and there's a lot of, you know, mentally ill people, so they would blame them. About a week after her disappearance, a tip came in that Kimberly may have been a sex worker in the downtown area. Police didn't confirm that, but when we went to her family, they told us the truth. Being a sex worker definitely heightened the level of danger of what may or may not have happened to her. I've always heard um, rumors, you know, online and stuff like that, but it's something that I've never seen 
They say that he was doing the sex work. Yes, you know, it was something that he did not like to talk about. But I'm not denying it. I just can't tell you what she was doing out there. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. No one deserves to be abducted, killed, go lost, put into a cold case folder, or just brushed off as missing until found, and then ultimately forgotten. Nobody deserves to be forgotten. It's very hard for our trans women in particular to get meaningful employment and maintain it. So transactional sex is much more common because there aren't really any options. But if you identify as female, but you were assigned male at birth, often you want to be acknowledged as a female, desperately. For them, it's also an affirming thing to go out and do sex work because not only do you like me, but you're willing to pay me. Kimberly is my best friend. The last time I saw Kimberly was like a month before she disappeared. She was super fun. She was like always, she was the nice person. She used to give everything to anybody. Like you wanted something, here it is, you can keep it. Then she became a sex worker, mainly to help herself, to get some extra money for herself. We used to talk about it, but it's like, I'm no one to judge. So we, all of our friends, we used to tell her like, hey, you know, just be careful out there. Uh, you know, I mean, yeah, you know, just be careful because you never know what can happen. Because everybody knows how everything here downtown is. Yeah, it's, it's downtown, it's really dangerous. And a lot of people kind of don't want to come towards yeah. this side. How familiar are you with this hotel and what happens there? Well, um, this is the hotel where uh, all the six workers come. It's two hotels. There's the one on the other side. They go inside. Yeah, once um, they have a customer. Uh, wait, as soon as they get a customer and... I mean, that makes so much sense because you pay for the room. Yeah. And then you can use the... Yes. Place. Of course, there's a lot of violence. So sad because even when they go to the police and ask for help... Police doesn't, they, they don't, don't do nothing. I believe that sex work did play a part in her disappearance. But police had no success in talking to other sex workers in Kimberly's case. They were afraid of the police, and then ultimately they were afraid of what happened to Kimberly could end up happening to them. We know that a few weeks before Kimberly's disappearance, the police had arrested some of the transactional sex workers that worked downtown Bronzeville. So the girls were reluctant to talk about what had happened because they were afraid that they were going to be arrested too. That they just shut down and they never again have spoken about what they may or may not have seen. So you here come the police and then now they're coming to us for help. Well, you know, we're not going to cooperate with the police because they're just arresting us or people that we associate with. So what do you do? Progress in this case has been very difficult because of this history of mistrust between sex workers and the police department. Based off of sex workers that I've spoken to, they wouldn't go to police, period. Doesn't matter what the scenario is. The conversation that I've had with them is to say, well, what's the point? Police aren't gonna help us. They never have and they never will. 
So that fractured relationship between the police and sex workers has absolutely harmed this investigation. They don't want to talk to each other, and they never have, and I don't think they ever will. Detective Gonzalez would call us almost every day to let us know we have no leads. It was very disappointing. So at this point, the case is cold. And then in December 2018, a new lead comes in, and it doesn't come from the media, it doesn't come from police, but instead comes from a blogger on the website El Run Run. My name's Juan Montoya, and I'm a journalist. I've been a border journalist since 78. My first job was in at the Brownsville Herald. Now with the um, social media, I, I run a blog spot, like an online newspaper here. We pretty much cover everything. Um, from culture to crime, I keep my ear close to the ground. Usage of social media has absolutely helped out in investigations. We don't have to just wait for police to give us answers. Internet tipsters, people who watch us, can definitely give us those tips, those breadcrumbs, and we take all kinds of tips in a case like this seriously. Brownsville is a very historical city. It's a very cultural city, but it's also uh, a border city, which implies a lot of issues, contraband, crime, cartels. The underbelly of this city is contained in the little beer joints. They call them Cantinas de la Muerte. Beer joints of death, <laughs> for lack of a better term. Kimberly, word of her disappearance got out quickly because she was a regular at these places and she started not showing up, and her parents started asking what, where she was at, if anybody had seen her. The people on the street started talking about her missing, and the pictures started going up. I remembered, you know what? I, I remember seeing this girl. And then as I started talking to people, they started telling me that they had seen her there at that particular bar, go walking out with this man. I was told by people that Kimberly was with a man who was associated with a criminal group. Well, that's the person that, that was seen last with her. And I don't think that the guy actually knew that Kimberly was not a woman. But they bought some beer and they were walking out the door at closing time. And they were getting into an argument because apparently the guy thought Kimberly had stolen something from him. and. As they argued along the street, they was demanding something from her loudly, enough to wake people up. And him screaming that to give him something back. And then the last they saw was her getting pushed into, the, into a car that was driven by somebody else off into the dark night. Kimberly Avila was last seen May 13th, 2017. If you have any information, please contact the Brownsville Police at 956-548-7000. If the suspicions are correct, Kimberly was taken across the border. The people who, who told me about um, this person, they know he is. As much as I tried to prod them into telling me something that could be used to solve disappearance, they were not forthcoming because they would 
they thought they would get back to them. Along this border, the retribution is swift. They did go to the police with this information, and they took it, and that's the last I've ever heard of it. Right across the way from Brownsville is Matamoros, where you have a totally different level of crime and violence, rates that are vastly different from what you see in Brownsville. Once you cross into Mexico, who knows what happens next? There was never any cooperation between Brownsville and the Matamoros police. To this day, there's never been anybody who's gone and said, uh, this week, did you get any, like, somebody unidentifiable in your morgue? Nothing. So our faith with the police department, yeah, it started not being as good as it was at the beginning. I want to think that maybe they're just incapable and they can't say it. June 2019, another tip came in and that tip must have been important for them to ask the family to hold a press conference at their house to bring all of us together. Detective Gonzalez did uh, ask us to do a press conference. There was a phone call, a tip that was made. This morning, today, we are here with the Avila family at their residence. We know that there's people who know or have information on the case, and they choose not to come forward. The strange part about this whole press conference is that the police wouldn't tell the family what the caller said. They didn't want to tell us who this person was or what they said or any kind of descriptors that would entice them to call. So it had a lot of us scratching our heads saying, well, what is all of this about? We pushed police to answer our questions. Uh, they did not supply us with a lot of the answers to questions we were having. We don't know what was said because it wasn't said to us. We don't know if it was a male or a female that called. We were never told what was said on that phone call. Why it's so important, we don't know. All they asked us to do was just to make that plea to the community. You had a reason to call that day. I'm begging you to call back. We're begging, I'm begging. Our pain is just growing more and more every day. It's not getting any better. It's getting worse. But nobody ever called back. So the glimmer of hope was so real for the family. And then to have that sort of pulled out from underneath them was, was pretty heart, heart-wrenching. I try not to let my sister, my father, my mom to engage in those tips slash rumors. It only adds more sadness, more stress, you know, and then if he's not there, then it's gonna hit you twice as hard. To this day, we still don't know what that caller said or even if that caller picked up the phone again. After that press conference, radio silence. As time went on, we didn't get any type of updates. The police department, they were not, um, returning phone calls. There's very minimal information that has come up recently, obviously. The longer it takes, the more chances that, that things will get cold. There's nothing concrete. The people who have been really keeping Kimberly's story alive are her family. They have gone 
to every single interviewer. They've gone to every single news station. If somebody with a camera comes up to them, they don't say no. But also, members of the trans and LGBTQ community, and Oscar has gone above and beyond to make sure that Kimberly does not end up in that cold case file column. My staff and I led the organizing of two events every year, which was a birthday celebration of life. We also recognized the day that she went missing as, as the other day that we sort of acknowledged. Uh, and we do it annually. In 2019, we were working closely with the family to have a vigil for Kimberly because she was missing still, and we had no credible leads or, or anything. Vigil is here, you know, asking the public for help in searching, you know, looking for Kimberly, you know, letting them know that she's still missing, that we're still looking for her, that we haven't given up. There is a vigil for Kimberly, and at that vigil is the Cameron County District Attorney, Louise Sions. He drops a bombshell on the family using the phrase, we want to bring Kimberly's killer to justice. And up until that point, the family only knew that Kimberly was a missing persons case. I don't think any of us were prepared because we had never heard anything or any type of tip that Kimberly had been killed. We were all in shock. You know, my mother was looking at me, my father was looking at me, my brother's looking at me like, you know what's going on? I could hear people mumbling and my mom started crying, my dad started crying. And we were like, what are you talking about? I was standing behind the family and I leaned over to the sister and I said, do you know anything about this? She says, no. And the mother, Kimberly's mother was in the worst state because at that moment, every possibility of her coming home was bashed by this man. So I went around the family really quickly up to the police chief and I said, what is he talking about? He goes, I don't know. I don't know what he's talking about. This is, this, that's the wrong case. I said, you need to tell him because look at what it's doing to the family. So he leaned over, whispered in the district attorney's ear and the district attorney stopped mid-sentence, literally dropped the mic and, and ran away with reporters chasing after him, who followed him all the way back to his office where he got in, locked the door, and wouldn't come out. It's unforgivable what he did, because the family was already in pain and anguish, thinking the worst, and then he says that their child is dead, when it wasn't even the right person. It wasn't the right case. And all it did was hurt the family. No leads, nothing new, still investigating. And no, we have not been able to develop any leads. I remain committed to the case as if it happened yesterday. So we're now another year past with Kimberly's case. I think the question is, what do police need? I think they need a lot. I think they need an eyewitness. They need some sort of evidence. And most importantly, they need to know if Kimberly is alive or not. And if she is alive, she needs to come home. And if she's not alive, somebody needs to come forward. Without that, it's going to be another year. What happened to Kimberly, we don't know just yet. But we do know what has happened since she went missing. The 
LGBTQ community banded together and said, enough is enough. The city of Brownsville created the first of its kind LGBT task force. Every cause has an effect. And this was the effect of Kimberly's case. And I think that's a beautiful thing that, that came from Kimberly's case. I think it is rare for an LGBTQ task force to take effect anywhere on the border, let alone Brownsville. But to see it be born here in Brownsville is a great thing. And just because it's rare doesn't mean that it shouldn't be the norm. More cities can definitely learn from that. The trans community and the police department have never had a very good communication or interaction. And by having a task force, an LGBT task force that's going to be there to represent you makes a difference. It is a bittersweet because we would have loved for her to be here and see the changes. But we're still missing her. You know, she's still not home. So yeah, there's a lot of good things that are coming out, but at the same time, is maybe she paid a high price for it. What makes the Avila family so special is that they show up for each other and for, for Kimberly over and over and over again. Every night is a sleepless night that wondering where their child is, wondering what's happened to them, but they don't give up and they lift each other up constantly. Thank you, everybody. Sometimes I tell myself maybe somebody, you know, has her far away but at least she's alive, you know? And then there's some days that I'm like, maybe she's no longer here. But I still have hope that one day, I'm gonna know, we're gonna know what happened to her. That's something that I'm not giving up. We're not giving up. Oh, she matters. She matters a lot. And you didn't just take her away, you know, if that's the case. You hurt everybody that loved her. Because we love her very much. I just, just want her home. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 